This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. there I, I really can't stop myself from doing it's program okay let's talk about what we're <laughs> drinking so i am i did a combo i did a combo because our sponsor comes skunk brother spirits i don't know why i keep doing that it's really bad it's okay they love me they keep anyway so i'm drinking their sweet 45 cherry cordial which is amazing and then i mixed it in with my flat rock cider company cherry poppins Ooh. <laughs> Look at so what I popped, did there. You popped your cedar cherry. Yes, I so did. <laughs> I did. Okay. CR, what are you drinking today? Which one of the, the many drinks you're creating are you drinking today? Okay. So I've been experimenting with trying to come up with one for war or for death because that one seems like it's super fun. So just ignore this. I'm just trying to. Okay. So is it CR and her sidekick? Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is, I've been trying to create it as dark as I can. So uh-huh. this is just that uh, deep purple grape juice, like the normal grape juice. Right. And then I did um, hammer and sickle vodka because I figure it goes with a the theme. And I really messed it up because I tried to add some lime juice in it and that's not great. It actually does taste a little bit like death. So I'm still working this one out. Uh, it got I don't a little, know that grape and lime are really good combos, but it, I like, they're like, you know, all of the other drinks I came up with, they had all these cute little elements to it. And like, I just couldn't think of something else to stick in it. So I was like, mm-hmm. and it made this really cool. Like when I had it in a glass, it, the lime just started going like mm-hmm. this around the glass. And that's when I should, I knew I like, I knew it wasn't going to be good because it wasn't even mixing. Like, it was <laughs> like nope, nope, not doing it. Yeah. So this one's uh this one's probably not gonna go on the, the list that we share with us. That's not going on the list. Okay. <laughs> Things not to do. Shay, what are you drinking? Well, I am a southern girl through and through. So I actually have in, not only in sweet a tea in a mason jar mm-hmm. with a splash of whipped cream vodka. Oh, well, kept that's it simple. Tea. Kept it simple. You don't even have to sweeten the tea, although I do, because the whipped cream does it just fine so i love this that's what i got yeah well you guys have to watch this youtube because it's an amazing jar i'm drinking out of one of our drinking with authors cups you'll get one of these oh there you go this one's, this one's been through some stuff you can see <laughs> it's been through the wash a few times okay <laughs> a few hundred times shay for those listening that maybe don't know what do you write i write dark romance um i've w- written one contemporary uh just for one of the contests uh short uh, stories, but I write dark romance. Um, I'm currently um, writing my manu- my first dark mafia romance. Um, so yeah, I, li- I like the darker side of things, the the stories that make you want to hate the characters before you absolutely fall in love with them. Um, and a tr- you know maybe a tragic backstory or just something that brings a lot of not necessarily angst, just more emotions, roller coasters up and down emotionally. So that's what yeah. I like to write. Very, very cool. When did you start writing? I started officially writing right after my daughter was born in 2012. Um, I started writing Bound in Love, but put it down for a very long time. Um, It actually took me 
total of five years actually to complete Bound in Love. Um, when she turned five, I went back to work. And so that kind of put a standstill. I went back to work for a couple of years. And then when I got home, uh, right before COVID hit, um, I started writing it again. So um, um, I went indie first. Um, unfortunately, uh, me and the editor didn't agree on some things. So um, when I put it out, I took it back off the market to redo some stuff that I didn't agree with. Um, so it kind of took me a little longer to get Bound in Love out. <laughs> No, understand, understand, and that can be the journey for many people. Editors are very helpful unless they think they're writing the story, which right. then doesn't work since they're not the author and they're just yeah. to be helping and not telling you what to write. <laughs> um, so that's very cool. Did you ever write when you were younger? It's actually interesting because you're, um, you know, we obviously talked to a lot of authors and a lot of them are female. And I can't tell you, it seems like the number recently that have been like, I had a kid, I started writing. Like, <laughs> isn't that interesting? That's like, I had a kid, that's, I started seems writing. To be the way that, seems to be the way it's been going. I think that's I when I got serious. Was yeah. inspired. So, but <laughs> before that, what about then? Yeah, I wrote in college. My college professors liked my stories most of them were had to be true life obviously but this actually a little doozy Ooh. was from college and at the time I was dating unbeknownst to my long-term boyfriend at the time I was dating two other guys <gasps> um yeah so, <laughs> so yeah I would never do that now I've you know I'm a better person now but that's what the story is about it's it's a it's a romance um so yeah, I found, or my sister found that one in just some old papers. And she's like, you, do you know you actually were starting when you were with this guy? And I was like, oh yeah, I did write that. <laughs> so That's okay. You can throw it in teen angst anthology if you want to. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so probably around 18 to between 18, 20 years old is when I really wrote this, so yeah, that's probably when. I just never published it. It's probably a good short story or good cliffhanger story if I clean it up a little bit. So. Yeah. No, I was looking back at some of this stuff to put in the Teen Angst anthology, and mine is not a clean it up a little bit at all. No, it's just a make scan copies, put it in that, and then call it a day because it's published. <laughs> and it's published with guardrails around it. So anybody who reads it on the dark, stormy night that's how it starts. So that should give you an idea. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I wrote it when I was like 11. It was pretty bad. Anyway. I, yeah, when you go back and you look at some of the stuff you wrote, like, especially if you wrote as a little kid, like, doesn't it all start out that way? Or it's like the sun was shining high in the sky. It was raining one yeah. dark night. And it's like, oh my God, no, I did not. Yeah, it, <laughs> I really wish in um, like elementary school English, the teacher would start with, hi, by the way, do not start anything with, it's a dark story. <laughs> like here's the, you're going to, if you want to be a writer ever in your life, here are the five things not to start the story. <laughs> well, that is really cool. So how many books do you have out now? I have four books, five stories. Um, the short story, Kissing in the Closet is in the Stuffing My Stocking anthology book um, that came out uh, right before Christmas. I think it was right. No, it was right on Christmas, actually. I'm sorry. Um, and then, yeah, I have the four Marin House romance books. They all are standalones. You can read them by themselves, uh, but it's always good to start with Bound in Love, which started it all. So four books, five stories. 
That's very, very cool. So where did you get your inspiration? Well, obviously college was kind of interesting for inspiration on some of these stories, but where did you get your, um, cause dark romance is very different. It's not the sweet, like everybody loves each other and there's right. a strawberry fucking field and the coffee shop and a bakery. And I feel like that's right. like the standard stuff that needs to be there. Where, where, where did you get your inspiration for bound in love? What made this, you know, what was like, you know, this is where I'm going to go. It actually is to, besides all the drama, of course, um, it's a true story in a way. And me and my husband for a lot of our marriage struggled a lot, just his past traumas, my past traumas um, just were colliding and we were just kind of became content. And just one day I just, I just gave up and I was like, you know what, I'm, I feel like I'm a nag that I'm the one making all the decisions. I'm the one just in control. I'm controlling. And I just needed some of this burden taken off me. And I had always been into BDSM. I just never revealed it to anybody, my, any of my you know, partners, anything like that. And I was like, you know what, he's my husband. So if he can't handle it, then who can? So I just went to him and I told him, I was like, you know, this is what I need. Like, we need to try it. You know, we got to switch roles. I feel like I'm wearing the pants. Um, and he's a very strong person, very wonderful provider, great father and everything like that. Um, but I had just taken control. And so we did, we started experimenting. We started getting into the lifestyle. We live that lifestyle um, now and it's worked out wonderfully. It, it just woke up our marriage, um, just became stronger people, got the roles, you know, he, you know, it takes some of the burden off me um, and stuff like that. So, and then the story with Reed is, um, He's a real character, just not in the way the book is. But yes, he was one of the three oh, I, wow. was, I was dating. Um, he was actually a good guy. Um, it was just a kind of a friends with benefits situation. And so I brought him in. And uh, yeah, so I knew that there needed to be some suspense, some drama and stuff like that. So I added him to, to the mix because he had, when I, after I'd got married, he had tried to make contact with me and yeah tried to hook some stuff up and I'm like dude I'm married so that's kind of inspired for that drama to happen and then I do have two kids um and they their personalities in the book mimic my kids personalities and so when I move on to book two and three their personalities mimic my kids personalities so so it's a lot of real life stuff well that's cool though and that's cool that you found that to be true I think it's amazing what communication can do sometimes just being willing to talk about some stuff just without this sort of fear and I, I think you're completely right if you can't tell your partner all of these things then who can you talk to it but right. you know what I mean that's not a good partnership if you can't do that yeah so what is your writing process like <laughs> oh dreaded question um I'm a pantser um, it, it plays in my head like a movie reel, I guess you could say. And I s start by writing down names of the characters. Then I'll go to what they look like. Um, I'll I'll think of what's common in books nowadays, and I'll try to stay away from that a little bit. I know you have to write a little bit to market. You have to keep people interested, obviously. But I'll try to do something unique. Like that's why I wanted my first book to be a married couple with kids. I wanted something just a little different. Um. So I just, I write everything down. I've got multiple notebooks, much like any author. Um, 
and really just as the story develops, each new character comes into development. And at that time, at that moment, when that character is mentioned, or I'm like, okay, I need a new character, I start doing it. So the story really develops, and, and then that's when the character for me, the other sub-characters start coming into play. Um, sometimes I don't even name the person until I'm writing their part. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, that's, I just start writing stuff down. There's pieces of papers everywhere. You know, I got to make sure I put it with the right notebook. That's, you know, that's my controlling assets book. That's my, you know, and stuff like that. So it's really just, and when it comes to actually writing, I, I, I am definitely a mood writer. If, if I'm, if I'm down and just can't get in that mindset, then it's, I'm not even going to try because I'll just be pumping out crap. And then I'm just going to have to go back and change it. And it's just going to be frustrating and waste more of my time. So, yeah, I definitely got to be in the mood. And and I'm definitely a pantser. I just fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> That's how I write, too. I totally don't um, have write down. I write down bullet points sometimes. It depends on the type of story, just on some things, not where to put or whatever, just like ideas I have or voice memos I have like, okay, I have this idea or here's a really good line. It needs to go in the book somewhere, but I don't like build the story around that. I'm yeah. just, I have it there so that when I hit that scene and I'm like, oh, perfect. They're going to say the fly line I thought of four months ago <laughs> <laughs> with my typing. Do you, do you have a particular time of day you like to write or any time? And Morning most of the time, although I spend a lot of my time in the morning marketing <laughs> because I'll, I'll set Facebook up to, you know, send out marketing, but I also do a lot of my Instagram lives in the morning because that's a lot of times when other authors are on and I've gotten a lot of feedback and we, we do live uh, working ones where they've helped me tons with either a plot hole or, you know, something that's just not working well. Uh, I'll also talk to my beta readers at that time. But I typically get up, you know, right when I drop off the kids and I write for solid until I get on at 11, uh, my time, Central Standard Time, with my um, lives. And then I try to write after that until three, when I got to go pick them up. And then after three, I don't write anymore, pretty much, because I'm pretty much exhausted, creatively exhausted, because either I've been writing while doing a promo for somebody else and you know, so I help a lot of other authors out with their, their stuff. So it gets a little exhausting doing all the creative stuff. So I understand No, having a tribe is so vital. Seriously, mm -hmm. having a tribe is one of the most vital things you can do. But I think it's true just period is that there's a lot of talking social media has made it more like expected, expected that people engage and do things and stuff like that. Have you have you gotten on the TikTok yet? Oh, oh yeah, like, yeah, I'm all over TikTok like an old person. Have you gotten on that TikTok? Oh yeah, I'm all I'm all over there um, on TikTok. Yeah, I got I got my a uh, little over 2100 right now. I don't let everybody follow me, obviously. A lot of sugar daddies on there. <laughs> I, I love what? those. It's so funny you say that because Valerie started doing the TikTok and stuff like that, and she sends me copies of the texts from all the sugar daddy type people that are like hey whatever and I just I think it's so ridiculous the trolling that exists out there on that particular media as soon as well, they say, oh you're, you're so it's beautiful I'm like, social media. it seems <laughs> yeah. like it's why I hate social media I hate it so much it's just you get such weird people 
And then they get so personal and you want to know how they got to that personal level. It's because they're behind a screen and they don't have to actually confront you. Yeah, well, my husband can find you. <laughs> so be very careful. Did she freeze? Did we have another? Oh, there she is. Okay. Y'all froze on me. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a freezing and then you're back. Oh, it's mine. It's face. mine. Hold on. It's mine. Oh, is it? I'm a little bit of frozen again. Mm-hmm. We're having an internet connection issue. Oh, that's okay. That happens. We love technology. Technology is our best friend since COVID happened. Not at all. Not at all. Crazy. Do you remember right after it hit and everybody was home and then nobody's internet worked because they went from like nobody being on the internet during nine to five at home to everybody? Yeah, we don't we don't think about that a lot, but I have to say, oh, oh we lost her. What we're gonna do is take a quick break and then we'll be right <laughs> back, hopefully, with Shay Coon. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. We're back and we're praying to the internet gods to keep Shay's internet going since apparently Verizon has an outage. Don't worry, Verizon's not a sponsor of drinking with authors, so we're okay there. Okay, so you what if they would like to be? Oh no, because they tell me what to say, so I'm I'm totally good with Verizon not being a sponsor. But then I'll hold up little signs that say what Erica is really saying is (laughs) that would be cool. Except for probably they have people that watch that crap. Anyway, um, let's talk about, do you listen to music and stuff when you write? Like, what is your writing ambiance? Um, my desk is actually in our bedroom, um, right by the window. So I get fresh light and fresh air. Um, I listen to music when, like, in the book I'm writing now, he's going to be playing a uh, song on the piano. So while I'm writing that scene, I'm going to be listening to the song to get into the mood. Um, if they're dancing to a certain song, I'll, I'll listen to that song. But otherwise, no, I have it silent. You know, sometimes I'll have ambience of my cat playing in the background, but that's about it. But um, yeah, because if, if the song isn't matching the scene I'm writing, it just, it just messes with my, my focus and my, my mood and stuff like that. So that's interesting. Every, every author has their own little like how they do that what they listen to if they listen to have you ever written because i know you um 
started with your daughter, have you ever written in like a coffee shop? Can you do that? Can you go to like a public area and like, write, Or you're like, nah, no, nah. no. And it's not, you know, some people are like, I don't want to see people. I don't want people see, you know, what I'm writing. Cause I'm writing this, you know, a sexy scene or whatever like that. I'm like, I don't care. I, that's why I didn't go by pen name. I don't care. Um, it's just, it's just too distracting. I like the people watch and I get distracted and, and stuff like that. So I like, I like the, my room, I have my recliner over here. I can take a break and go sit somewhere else, refocus, do some yoga if I've been sitting too long. So, yeah. That's a smart idea going and doing yoga. When <laughs> too long. I like that idea. So I have this mat rolled up upstairs and we've been moving into this house and my boyfriend's like, Hey, is that like an under desk mat or what, what is that mat that's next? And I'm like, yeah, that would be the yoga mat. I do not use. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Never bring it up again. Please <laughs> thank you. I have this idea. I used to go to hot yoga all the time. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to yoga. And then I, that's how long it's been. He didn't recognize the mat. He was like, let's go under the desk. And I'm like, no, thank you. Get out. Hate you. You know, um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, so you publishing four books. What surprised you the most when you became a published author? Oh gosh, the amount of marketing, I guess I had to do. It's, I mean, I, I enjoy it now because I actually know how to make promos and stuff. But when I first started marketing, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I couldn't make a promo to save my life. And now I have people wanting me to do theirs. So, but yeah, the amount of marketing, because even while I, you know, the publisher is doing their side, most of the time I don't get to see that because that's they're busy doing theirs so I go on social media and just blare everywhere um so yeah making trying to post at least twice a day I have to make that promotion I have to make sure that those po photos are not obviously stolen um because I've I've had to catch a couple of wonder models being used illegally um you know so I just it, the marketing it gets insane sometimes and very time consuming Yes. Well, you're doing a lot because some people don't, don't do quite that much. Some people, <laughs> when you're like, they post once a week. You're like, woo, they're posted. Because <laughs> I think that's true. What about fans? Uh, don't get me started, Sierra. I have so many things <laughs> about that. But um, uh, what about fans? What has that been like having the reviews and getting fan feedback on your work? Uh, it's, I mean, they're all really helpful. Um, sometimes um, I want them, it feels like they're not, they're being too kind, I guess, because I'm, a, of course, you're always your biggest critic and you're like, no, I, I really want you to be honest with me. And they're like, well, well, I am. I was like, no, but really, you know, so I have one that she's, her name's Erin and she's absolutely just loves the whole series and bought the e all eBooks and the paperbacks and stuff and stuff like that. And I try to, pick the hardest bloggers to review my books because I want them to because they'll give me critiques afterwards um not just reviews and so I like that but I don't um I don't get the ones that review necessarily contacting me or anything like that but yeah I, I check every once in a while and I mean they're good they're good to see and then some of them you know I'm like okay yeah I, I agree like um a lot of people wanted more 
client from controlling assets. They love the story, but they they wanted it to go for a little bit longer. And I agree with them. I, I think that one was a little bit rushed um, and could have had some more of Caleb and Talia. Um, so it's, it's good to hear. And I think it's helped me um, do better with this, this current book that I'm writing because I do tend to, I'm Texan, I like to get to the point. So I tend to speed through things because I'm like, I just want to get this to this, put a, you know, put a good dramatic scene, put a good sex scene, you know, it all works together. So let's just get it done. Um, but I have to slow down, add a little more to it, give them a little more of my characters. So that helps and stuff like that. So um, I definitely want, I have not run into any negative trolls as of yet. So We'll see. It, it, you know, the more popular your series becomes and you become as an author, like it doesn't matter. You could, you can have the most positive outcry of people to the tens of thousands loving you. Mm -hmm. There is always going to be trolls. Like you can just go look on Amazon reviews for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and just click on the one star reviews. And that yeah. gives you, it's a, I, I always tell authors to do that. Cause I'm like, just go take whatever you think is a hugely wildly popular book mm -hmm. and just click on the one star reviews on it. A book that you absolutely love. And that gives you an idea of what these humans are like out there that are, you know, trolling the internet, listing things and stuff like that. Um, have you gone and done any in-person events yet? I have not. No, I. I've been inter I've interviewed with one gentleman from India, and now India is one of my biggest following. <laughs> um, it's second to America, but now India is one of my biggest following. Um, he was his guru reads on Instagram. Amazing guy, wonderful interviewer. Um, but no, I haven't done any in person yet. Um, I think just still with the country trying to open up. And everything like that. Um, yeah, I've had the pleasure of interviewing amazing people, um, Andrew Bernat, Wonder Aguiera, other authors and stuff like that. So, but no, not yet. Well, it's also good that you are so out there personality wise, because a lot of authors don't quite have that down to a science yet of being out mm -hmm. there personality. As you see, CR is not making eye contact right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> Um, she happens to be one of them, but I think that's fantastic because I think that bodes well, especially when you go to do those in-person events and stuff like that and being able to get out there. And of course, COVID changed everything, but more and more stuff is opening up and more and more bookstores are starting to do events and places like that. And, you know, some of the romance events like conventions and things like that. Um, are finally opening up and not either being closed or being virtual because last two years it was very like we're open just kidding we're closed like, <laughs> like we're open we're out no just kidding we're not doing this at all or we're doing it but like, five people are allowed to be here right. I actually or had they've started doing them and they're saying they're opening in 2023 like that's been the huge thing this year they're not even necessarily doing it this year they're starting to market for 2023 because they're like you know what like erica said we're done saying we're doing this and then canceling yeah there's done moving people around there which is very proactive i guess because then but you know fingers crossed by then everything is just kind of back to a new normal yeah I, I hope so i actually had a convention for my day job that has is requiring if you're going to the convention that everybody is vaccinated and 
there is way too much turmoil on that topic. And I'm yeah. like, okay, what about the, yeah. So how are you going to get the people at that convention? Because part of what you look at is the convention itself, but how many humans are going to that convention? Because we could have a convention and we could put a booth there and five people could show up and then it's not worth having the entire convention. Like one of the first conventions I ever did as a romance writer, not romance, it's erotica, but it was a romance writers convention. It was in this cute little event hall and it was, it was actually a place that weddings were done. So it had all these chandeliers and it was fancy. And there's all these authors and cute books and they had all this stuff, no lie. Besides people that were like family members of the other authors, there was probably 30 people at this convention. Ooh. Like How it was you? beautiful. It was in a beautiful space. It was very well organized from that aspect, but they came up to me and they were like, no, it's so great having you. Do you want to come next year? And I'm like, no, you don't have anybody. People, you don't have people. Like, you know, you pay a couple hundred dollars to go to a thing yeah. like that, and there aren't any humans. So, if you are listening out there, people, always check the actual amount of humans that are supposed to be at that convention. Yes. Like, what are the ticket sales really? What have they been in the past? That sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, look at the last five years. Don't look at the pre, just the previous year, but go for the last five years. Because some of the ones that I've looked at, you know, it's like, oh, you know, in last year when they, yeah, this past year when they started opening things at the end of the year, like things blew up. But if you look at things years past, it was like a third of, of what was there and stuff. So just be very careful when you go. No, absolutely. So have you had fans reach out to you um, besides reviews and talk to you at all about the books and their favorite parts and things? And has that happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I currently um, actually, while I was in the middle of church, I had one of them messaging me. Uh, she had just received uh, the third book for his own protection. And she was just going off about how she loves Lizzie and her strengths because she struggles with self doubt and stuff like that and so she was kind enough to let me know how Lizzie is kind of you know making her day and giving her a little boost in confidence and how she could view the world rather than you know doubting herself just she's a badass woman and that's what she needs to be well so. it's great when your writing can impact people because you don't think about that part of it when you're writing your stories I don't think at least yeah. Yeah, if we think about how that story is, um, is you know, does a entire um, uh, impact to somebody in real life to their real life? Like you write a character that's badass because you wrote the character and you like it, and it's not that it's um, you know, it actually makes the person find themselves. What about? Um, people bringing up characters that you don't or parts that you don't remember this is something that I love when people approach you about some part of your book and they're like oh my god I love this blah 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 and you're like date the barista what yeah <laughs> <laughs> no the only time someone's brought up a part that um really I wasn't and I and I guess I had kind of thought about giving him his own story was um was Xander um, he's in all four books. He's kind of a hot tech nerd, uh, a lot like Caleb. Um, so they're like, well, you really have to make one of Xander. You, you put him in there a lot. And I was like, well, because Xander was kind of the character that could get information and it wasn't exactly above board. 
how he did things. Um, so I have had a couple of requests for Xander and Michael um, because I kind of play with Michael having his own book and I think I'll do a short story between him and uh, Ember. Uh, but no, nothing that I didn't, See, didn't you remember. Always, you can do novelettes, like even on yeah. continuing controlling assets, do a 25,000 word novelette about the continuation of that or yeah. about Xander, just have them be attachment pieces. Cause it's interesting yeah. that people fall in love with maybe like you used him as a plot device, right? To be able to get certain things that these other characters needed. And everybody's like, oh my God, tell me about Xander. Tell me all the <laughs> and you're like, where is he from? What is he doing? Things. Yeah, like, <laughs> who does he like? I think he likes blah. Like, <laughs> I do. He, he gets stuff out of the computer. It's so funny because they build this character yeah. and this whole thing that's going on and even maybe something you've written they go why is he flirting with sally all the time <laughs> like, <laughs> you know and they, yeah. they just don't get that that's what's happening oh my god see i realize i've monopolized you need to ask questions who did, have you had any issues with people not liking certain characters or not liking the way that you took their story yeah i actually with bound in love um <laughs> One of the people that wanted to read it, I wouldn't necessarily call her an arc, but I guess she would be considered an arc. She, um, she's into fantasy more than anything, but she, she wanted to read the book. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, no problem. So I sent it to her and she gave it three stars because she did not like that Alexis was so submissive. And I was like, well, you did, you did read, you did read the little thing that said it's a BDSM romance, right? Like it, you know, it says that in the description. She's like, yeah, but I just, I just didn't, I didn't realize that she was going to be so weak. And I'm like, whoa. And of course me being a, a submissive to, you know, my husband, I, it was a little a shot to the, you know, cause I was a little insulted, uh, you know, but I was like, no, I, you know, you have to understand that lifestyle that she's actually the stronger one because she has the control. She's just, you know, and it, it takes a lot for someone to give up control and trust someone else. And she's like, yeah, I just didn't get it. She was just too weak. Cause she was used to reading these fantasies where the, the princess was a warrior and, and, you know, slaying dragons along the side of the men, even though if she, you know, if she really got into it, Alexis ends up kicking some tail. I mean, literally beating guys up and stuff like that. So I did have one so far that just didn't like, didn't like how she was weak. Um, and then the only other thing was just speeding through controlling assets. They just, they wanted more of it. And so it went a little too fast for them, but that was pretty much really the only thing. So that nobody, or she didn't like a character. She just did not like Lexus. I have a question for you because there has been, of course, a lot of talk about how the BDSM community is portrayed in books by people, you know, James, that maybe do not understand the actual BDSM community and instead like have created. How has that been different for you? Because being in that lifestyle and in that, it's very different. And I think that's true with not that like fantasy writers run around in armor and have swords and stuff, but there's a degree of understanding on certain things where if you write something about something that's real like that, and anyway, I wh where are you at about that? Because you do have that in your stories. 
Right. Well, and I get a lot of when I do read and it, it doesn't really bother me only because this is a book. This is not real. It even says this is fiction. So I'm a grown up. <laughs> I'm not going to see something and say, hey, let me go try that. I've never tried it before. Let's go try it. It No. But one thing I see that just the only thing that really bugs me is and you have to be really careful like these these mafia romances you know what what happens to the woman she typically gets handcuffed or tied to the bed like all night long um she's gonna lose a hand sorry <laughs> she's going to lose a hand um yeah. you that's why if you look in bound in love when alexis is tied with her hands above her head the cuff squeezes off and on it even says it in there I want to be responsible. They have devices where the cuff squeezes to keep her blood pressure or her hands pumping. That's the kind of stuff that can, can be dangerous because you cannot tie a man or a woman to a bed all night long. You cannot handcuff a woman or a man to a bed like this all night long. You can't do it. One, your bladder is going to explode. I'm sorry. I don't care how that is, but you're going to lose a hand or you're going to have severe hand issues. Um, so I, I, I kind of take it with a grain of salt when they do some of these things. Um, anybody who complains about, well, I tried it and I got hurt. You know, I literally, me and my husband, when we started this journey, went to a BADSM safety course. We took the courses and everything because he was very worried. He, it's not in his nature to do this kind of stuff. And so he was very cautious. And so we took classes on safety you know, you don't, you cannot use a regular candle for sensory play. You have to, if you are, you have to use white or you have to use a certain BDSM candle. You cannot just pick a candle up and start burning each other. You just can't. Um, well, I suppose you can. It's not going to get the end result that you think. You can, but it, it's yeah, you're, you're going to get mad. You're probably going to be getting pretty pissed at each other. Uh, so, I just really take it with a grain of salt and try to just be more responsible in my books. Um, I do have another author that is pretty much like me and she lives the BDSM lifestyle. And so we definitely bounce things off of each other. You know, Hey, I haven't tried this. Have you tried this? You know, what is the experience like and, and vice versa. So there's always room for me to get more information. No, that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. Okay. We are nearing the end of this particular podcast, my friend. How to shameless self-promotion. Let's talk about your next book coming out first, of course. Um, do you want me to tell the title or? <laughs> yeah, no, you get to talk all about it. That's okay. the whole point of shameless self-promotion. Okay. I haven't, I've been, I've been teasing it, but I haven't been giving the title or anything. It is called The Roma's Claim. It is actually, um, uh, basically inspired by true events that happened to my great-grandmother and grandmother. Uh, they lived in Kansas, and there was a group of Romas every month that would travel down this road in front of their farm, and they would want to take young brides into their their uh, tribe or Roma? their clan. Uh, a gypsy. A gypsy. It's the okay. yeah. correct way to say gypsy yeah. because yeah. Okay. gypsy is a a very slang term now. Yeah, some people. I thought she the said the Romans at first, and then when <laughs> well, she said it Romanian. again, I was like, "Wait a sec." Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Some people embrace the name gypsy, some don't. So it just depends. But they would want to take a bride, and they typically wanted light-eyed, dark-haired girls. That's what my grandmother looked like. So every month, 
for a whole day, my grandmother would have to be hidden. Um, so because her friend ended up coming up missing because the Roma decided to take her as a bride. I don't think she was missing. I think she was probably given, but regardless. So it kind of was inspired by that. Um, it starts where Greta's great, great, or yes, grandmother is sick. They make a deal with the Romas to heal her. And the deal is they come back when she's well and she can be their bride. Well, they don't pay their debt and they run away. And so the family is stuck for generations trying to find the, the line of this family, the Conti family, to take their, their debt. And so that's why it's the Roma's debt. Emiliano finally founds, finds the family and there's three daughters. The mom has passed, the dad left a long time ago. And so one, one daughter is married, so he obviously can't take the older daughter because she's married. And so he decides to go with the middle child. And it actually, um, the Marins do play a cameo because Greta actually is in book four of the Marin House romance series because she's at the charity event. And so it picks up where she meets Emiliano at book four, basically, at the charity event for Alexis. And so, yeah, that's where he kind of, you know, you know, woos her and stuff like that, but ends up being the bad guy. Um, what's fun is, is I have a huge uh, German Shepherd lab mixed dog. His name is Roussel, but we call him Rooster. And so I thought it would be fun to bring him into the story. So <laughs> they get to her house to get ready to take her. And he calls over to Emil and says, hey, she's got a big ass dog and they're like okay well we're supposed to make this look like she left of her own accord so we're gonna have to take the dog so they have to drink the dog and then she comes in and you know they they snatch both of them up so it's gonna go through this journey um it does have triggers there's going to be violence against women um there is uh talks and sex trafficking um which emiliano emiliano is trying to stop that's that's one of the biggest things is he needs to marry her so he can basically his family can become immortal in this crime world and he can use it to stop that part and so some secrets are going to be revealed and it's going to end either somebody's going to be really pissed and be like are you kidding me the whole time it was blah 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 or they're going to be like okay I know okay so it could go either way it's going to make some people upset but if they realize okay just keep going to book two you'll figure it out so that's yeah. super exciting and when is that coming out hopefully in the summer <laughs> <laughs> I gave my the publisher said when is it coming out or when are you going to be done with it I'm like the end of March <laughs> I gave myself to the end of March and I am almost done. Um, he's about to find out who possibly is the one running the trafficking uh, scam or scheme in Rome because that's okay. his city. Um, and so it's about to come to a head and it, it, the end's coming pretty soon. So yeah, I'm hoping to be finished with it by the end of March. And after everything's said and done, I would imagine May or June. It just depends on how long and how, how busy the editor is and how long it's going to take. Um, it's not going to be like Bound in Love where it's a hundred and some odd thousand words, but it's still, it's, it's still a good chunk. Very so. cool. And then how do fans find you? 
They can, I'm most active on Instagram, uh, Kuhn, author, all one word. Um, that's where I, I, I am. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. I'm, I got in my newsletter, which I send out once a month right now. I was doing bi-weekly, um, but that seemed to be bothering people. <laughs> so I went to once a month um, where I feature other authors and uh, models and stuff like that, as well as my own work. Um, gosh, I'm on BookBub, um, Story Origin, uh, where else? Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, BookBub, oh, YouTube. Um, uh, I'm just everywhere. So, but my, I am most active on Instagram and typically what I do on Instagram, I'll post everywhere else. Even the interviews I did with Andrew and wonder I downloaded to YouTube too. So people could watch because those men are insanely the best men ever besides my husband, of course. <laughs> very, very cool. Okay. People should check you out. Absolutely. Follow you on the Insta and you're on the talk. So that's amazing. I'm going to keep saying it like an old person. You like that? <laughs> She's on that uh, TikTok. I'm on that TikTok. I haven't gone in there because I know it requires daily attention. And that's why I haven't gone in there yet. Because I know that it's not like where every now I'm, I, I'm so busy with everything else and terrible with social media. So I'm like, I'm not even going to go near the TikTok time. anyway. Okay. It is, but Shay, it's been amazing having you on this podcast. Thank you for so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been the amazing C.R. Rice and her little puppy, which I heard through most of the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why. He's like, I'm going to be part of it. You just it's have just up my ass. From the time I wake up until I go to sleep. Like, he's, he's right here. You saw him. He tried to fly on my lap, and I had to, like, shove him away. He's not a puppy. He's, no, he's not a puppy. He thinks he is, but he's not. And our amazing sponsors, Funk Brothers Spirits, BWA 10, and Superbon Coding, get 10% off of all of the amazingness. And guys, we will see you next time.